Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome everybody to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. And guess what? I'm David Brody because... It's called The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody, and we don't do false advertising here at Just the News. Look, if we say it's The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody, you're going to get, wait for it, dot, 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 David Brody, and here I am. Hey, uh, part two of the interview I did with Ben Carson, the HUD Secretary, Housing of Urban Development uh, Secretary Ben Carson. We did part one um, before this because part one becomes before part two. Thank you very much. We just keep it to the facts. Uh, and you can check that out somewhere in podcast land on the Pod's Honest Truth. You can download it. But now uh, we go to part two. And, you know, Ben Carson, look, he's HUD secretary and he's a big deal. He's not Carson Daly. I'll give you that. He's not Carson Wentz. Uh, who else? There's another Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, he's not any of them. But you know what? So what? We don't care. He's Ben Carson. And he is at, right at the intersection of faith and politics and culture and all of that. Um, and that's exactly what this podcast is about. So we, didn't, we did not need to interview Carson Daly. If I wanted to be hip and wear some skinny jeans, I would have done that. But instead, um, I just wore a straight suit and interviewed Ben Carson. And in this podcast, he'll talk about race relations, specifically about how do you go into inner city neighborhoods and talk about, wait for it, Donald Trump. So we're going to talk about that. Also, uh, the importance of fatherhood when it comes to getting uh, folks, families out of poverty. Very important. Uh, We'll talk about some of the homeless programs that HUD has. And also the problem in California, homelessness is out of control. You can quote me, out of control. That's not analysis. That's not opinion. That is fact. And we've got the facts to back it up. I have to tell you that homelessness in this country, now this is according to the annual Homeless Assessment Report put out by HUD in 2019, there's 567,000, roughly, uh, homeless folks in this country on every given night. Now, it's important to understand when we talk about homeless folks, we're talking about those that are unsheltered on the street and those that, are, that have shelter but are considered homeless nonetheless. And if you go down and you look at the actual cities with the most homeless people, New York City technically has the most homeless people, 78,000. Uh, but after that, listen to all of these California cities, Los Angeles, 56,000, San Jose in that Santa Clara area, 9,000, San Diego, 8,000, San Francisco, 8,000, Oakland, 8,000. I can go on and on. I mean, uh, Santa Ana down in uh, Orange County, uh, 8,000. So you, you put it all together, and California actually has more than half of all of the unsheltered homeless people in the country at 53%. It's about 108,000. And once again, I want to be clear that There is a problem with unsheltered homelessness, specifically in California. In other words, there are more people living on the streets, homeless, in California than any other state in this country, and it's not even close. So remember, New York City might have the most homeless people, 78,000, but many of them are sheltered. Only 4% are unsheltered on the streets. In California, it's different. 71% of all homeless people in California uh, are, um, are unsheltered compared to just 4.4% in 
uh, in New York. So uh, 71% unsheltered in California. That, that, that's pretty remarkable. On the streets in California. Once again, this is from HUD's 2019 annual homeless assessment report. Uh, overall, by the way, a 3% increase in homelessness over 2018. Uh, actually, homelessness is down in many states, but because of California, that's why, uh, pretty much California and a few other states, uh, that's why it's up uh, just about 3% this year. So we talk about all of that with Ben Carson on the podcast today. Remember, we are justthenews.com. That's right, justthenews.com. We're live. We're up. We're not dead. We're alive. I feel like I'm in a service here, a church service. Jesus is... That's a, that's a different podcast. Uh, but we are live, uh, and we're literally live at justthenews.com. Uh, that's where you can find my podcast, The Pod's Honest Truth, with David Brody. Uh, John Solomon reports his podcast is there. He's breaking news left and right. Uh, I mean, I can't even go into all of the scoops he's got, so, so there's so much there. Cheryl Atkinson, uh, her podcast there as well. So you go to justthenews.com. And please download all of our podcasts. Um, you can also download and subscribe to all of the podcasts, mine obviously included, at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. So don't forget to do that, please. So, so here's the list today. Uh, when you come home and you say, hi, honey, I'm home, and you walk in the door, and you, you, you give her a kiss or vice versa. I'm, hey, I, I'm not trying to be, you know, hey, look. If it's the man or the woman coming in at night and the man is home, that's fine. Woman comes home. Hi, honey. How are you? Good to see you. You give the kiss, and then here's what you do. You do the dishes, you take out the garbage, and you go subscribe to the podcast on justthenews.com. That's what you do. And if your husband or wife says, hey, what are you doing? You, you did the dishes and you took out the garbage, but you, that's all you've done tonight. Say, say, Look, I'm downloading the podcast. And hopefully that'll go over well. And if it doesn't, um, well... <laughs> You know, that just might end you guys up in an argument, and uh, I take no responsibility for that. All right, uh, back in a moment where we're going to talk about Ben Carson and the role God plays in his life. Back in a moment. You know, it's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. That's the brutal lesson Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online, forged it, and literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's home. She got evicted and spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. You know, the FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and you do not want to be next. That's why I urge you to protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock. You know, the legal documents to our home's are kept online where thieves hunt them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home. Then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. And no insurance or bank protects you. Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of title fraud and not know it. Find out. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter WATCH for one month of free protection. Again, enter WATCH for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, before we get to homelessness and Ben Carson and that interview, you should understand that Ben Carson, this just in, is a devout Christian, a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, where's his heart? Where's his heart in his sleeve? Where's his faith on his sleeve? I guess his heart is underneath his shirt. But the point is, is that he is a very, very devout Christian. And I've had a chance to talk to Ben Carson, oh gosh, at least 10 times or so over the years. I remember talking to him back in December 2014 at his home in West Palm Beach, a beautiful home, lives right along the golf course there. I think that's all the information I can probably give. Anyhow, 
I want you to listen to what he talked when he talks about how what would happen if you took God out of his life. Remember, he grew up in inner city Detroit, gave his life to Jesus uh, Christ uh, back when he was a boy, had a big temper back then, and then of course went on to wonderful, great, amazing things, uh, including running for president, separating conjoined twins at the head, um, and HUD secretary, and tons more. So this is my question to him about taking God out of his life. If you take God out of your life, if he is, go back to when you were a boy and that time when you recited Proverbs and had room, um, where is your life today without God? Uh, it would be a very sad life, that's for sure. I would be asking myself, what is the point of life if there was no God there? And uh, it would be a very uncertain life because I wouldn't feel the confidence that I feel. You know, he's intervened so often in my life and he protects you, and he guides you. And uh, I would probably not be anywhere near as bold as I am mm. if I didn't feel that he had my back. Mm. Uh, so I used, to, I used to ask the Lord during my medical career, uh, which I recognized was just way beyond anything ordinary. I said, Lord, why are you doing this? I said, what are you exactly setting me up for? Am I supposed to be like a great role model for kids? What is it exactly that you want me to do? And now all of that's sort of coming into focus. How is it coming into focus? Because I would have to have had a career like that in order to set me up to even be thinking about uh, some of the things that people want me to do. That's Ben Carson when I talked to him back in 2014 uh, at his home in West Palm Beach, Florida. Look, he's a man of God, and he gets dinged in the media for it, uh, but that is uh, pretty much what comes with the, ter with the territory when you uh, wear your faith uh, on your sleeve. Just ask Mike Pence, who has obviously experienced a lot of that as well. Also in that same interview, a little later, I talked to his wife, Candy Carson, uh, and Ben as well, about the direction of our country Judeo-Christian values and their faith. And this is pretty interesting to get their perspective on how they see this country. Have a listen. You know, in the Bible it says, the Lord doesn't give you more than you can handle, right? And a lot of times you feel like, are you sure? Are you really sure? <laughs> you know, but he does give you what you need. We recognize that, you know, we are being instruments in the hand of God. He is the one who really orchestrates all of this. That was Candy Carson and Ben Carson at their home in West Palm Beach, Florida, back in 2014, where I had a little bit more hair than I did than I do today. And good thing this is a podcast because you can't see the comparison regarding hair follicles. All right, uh, we're back in a moment with Ben Carson today in 2020 from the HUD. Uh, office. What do you call it? It's the HUD office building. It's not that attractive, but what Ben Carson is saying is very interesting. That interview next. All right, so picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about the crow's feet or those large under eye bags? Now imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It is the edge that you've been looking for. 
So you don't believe me? Well, guess what? I didn't either until I actually tried it. Now, I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, just 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Of course, unless you tell them. So go to tryplexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus get ready, an additional $10 off. That's right. 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so visit triplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code VOICES. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. All right, time now for our Ben Carson interview. Can I just say, um, I've got a little bit of a cold, a little bit of a cough, and you would think that's a problem. Not really. I woke up this morning saying, I've got a podcast voice this morning. It's a little deeper, kind of like it, and it resonates well for the podcast. So I think I'm going to go with a cold and a cough all year long. All right, Ben Carson, uh, we start the interview off with uh, a couple of these homeless programs, uh, fighting homeless programs that just don't get enough attention. And that's what we want to do on justthenews.com. No, not, we're not PR for anybody. But we are curious about what's actually being done on the ground uh, by some of these federal agencies. Uh, and some of this just isn't controversial. I mean, it, look, it, it's a program, many programs to help folks. Uh, whether it works, uh, well, look, that's in the data. We'll see after a few years. But we start with that. We get into race relations. We get into fatherhood and poverty uh, and California's homeless problems uh, all right here on the podcast with Ben Carson. Secretary Carson, great to be with you here uh, at HUD. Always good to be with you, David. Tell me a little bit about, uh, we've heard a lot about homelessness, yes. a lot of talk about that. But I want to start with this Foster to Youth initiative mm -hmm. that has really gained quite a bit of traction yes. and, and a lot of positive press. Tell me a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish here. Well, first of all, you know, some very ambitious young people uh, had the initiative to, to come here. Uh, they had already been working on a solution because several of them, about 20,000, age out of foster care each year and about uh, 5,000 of those end up homeless mm -hmm. within the next uh, three to four years. Mm -hmm. So this is just at the time when they really need support and they're trying to launch into their adulthood. And uh, so we listened to their story and we were very impressed. And uh, you know, this is something that's pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. The team here was able to put together a program and launch it in four months. Mm. Now, people who say that things can't be done in the government. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been one of those folks. <laughs> it's not true, but basically this provides uh, the subsidy uh, so that they can get a place to live. Mm -hmm. uh, but not only that, but also includes a lot of the wraparound services mm -hmm. so that they can get the appropriate head start in life and, you know, helping with education, helping with job training, mm -hmm. uh, and other types of issues that uh, 
you would normally have in a supportive family, but without a supportive family, mm. you're kind of floundering out there. Mm. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in California. You were just out there recently, you made a big yes. speech, uh, some positive praise from the governor, or the former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> uh, and others as well. What's happening in California and why, why they have this problem? But mm -hmm. and we've seen this uh, homelessness decline in many other cities. Yes. But California's, what's going on there specifically? Well, first of all, uh, let me say it's not just the weather <laughs> because Florida has even better weather mm -hmm. and they don't have the problem. Uh, not to, nearly to the scale that uh, California does, but mm -hmm. um, it's very, very expensive in California. Uh, when we uh, give a housing choice voucher in California, it costs twice as much as it would cost in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just to give more vouchers and to chase the homelessness with more money is an endless task. Mm -hmm. So we said, what's really driving this? And when you go and you look, it's really a, an excessive number of regulatory barriers mm -hmm. to building affordable housing. You have uh, zoning restrictions and height restrictions and density restrictions, noise, wetlands, environmental, energy. Uh, I mean, by the time you get done with all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, this, and I'm not one of those people who thinks that regulations aren't necessary. Mm -hmm. But we have excessive regulations. And we have a lot of old regulations that are on the books from 50 years ago mm -hmm. that have no bearing to anything that's going on today, and yet they mm -hmm. continue to impede the process. Are you referring and, to California regulations or HUD as well? or, uh, or both? I'm talking about federal, state, and local regulations. Okay. In fact, for a single-family home, mm -hmm. uh, federal, state, and local regulations, the majority being local, account for 25 to 27 percent of the cost. Mm -hmm. And for multifamily, it's up to 42 percent. Mm. So it, it takes things that were reasonable and it puts them out of reach. And then in, in places like California and Los Angeles, you also have uh, rules that perhaps misinterpret what compassion is. Mm. And they say, oh, it's compassionate to let these people who are mentally ill and drug addicted and what have you to to live on the street here mm. um, and because it's public space so they should be entitled to it. Mm. Well, if it's public space, it means it's supposed to be available for the public, for everybody, mm -hmm. not for a group of people to squat on. What would really be compassionate is to take those people and put them in an environment where they have a clean bed, a safe place to live. Uh, a bathroom that they can go to, a shower that they can take, mm -hmm. and uh, access to medical care mm -hmm. and treatment for the ones who are addicted um, mm -hmm. and for the ones who are mentally ill. It's about 28% of them. Mm. So, you know, if you're not doing those things, I think that's not compassionate at all. Mm. The regulatory aspect of this, you were just on this bus tour, you'll be doing more of it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what has been done, what needs to be done from a regulatory standpoint to lessen the burden in that aspect. Well, from a regulatory point of view, uh, you know, there are all these different fees and mm -hmm. things that, that are applied. Uh, you know, you have mm -hmm. to have so many parking spaces for 
each apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, the decibel level on the outside of the building cannot be greater than 75, inside 45, you know, which makes it very difficult to build a multifamily structure near a conveyance where people can get transportation. Mm -hmm. I mean, just crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and if people are just willing to, to look at these things and ask themselves, is this something that's facilitating the, the creation of affordable housing or something that is impeding it? Mm -hmm. And to deal with those. And we're, we're talking to people, making sure that they understand this and uh, incentivizing them to look at those things as well. well go ahead. And, and we're also uh, trying to make sure that we get the word out about NIMBYism, mm -hmm. uh, not in my backyard. Fully understand NIMBYism. For most people, the biggest investment of their life is their home, and they don't want anything to happen to the value of that. And so I do understand why people are afraid of a change uh, coming that might impact that value. However, what people need to understand is the federal government mm -hmm. no longer does the silly stuff they used to do, mm -hmm. where they would come in with a bucket of money and build this gigantic multifamily complex with little forethought or afterthought or support. It would rapidly deteriorate, become the nidus for crime and poverty and everything that you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. um, we don't do that anymore. Now we're talking about public-private partnerships, much smaller uh, things that are architecturally consistent with the area, culturally consistent with the area, mixed income, uh, so that, you know, policemen and firemen and nurses, uh, you know, teachers can actually live in the same area where they work. That's not going to bring your value down. That's going to enhance your value. Mm. And we're not talking about building, you know, a multifamily structure in the middle of a block of single-family homes. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, you know, create or, or destroy a, an ambience that exists there. Mm -hmm. We're trying to add to it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned California, or I mentioned California, you mentioned Florida, and there is a difference, and I don't want to get into politics, but there does seem to be a difference in philosophy between a conservative philosophy and more of a liberal philosophy. Are we seeing two different results because of that? Uh, that does seem to be a consistent finding. And, you know, I try to work with, uh, with people on, on both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. And, and just try to come to an agreement that let's look at the data. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the evidence and let's do what we do based on that, not on ideology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you come to something like housing first mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there's some say, oh, everything has to be housing first and has to be strained through that. Well, you might be surprised, you know, I don't actually have anything against housing first mm -hmm. as long as you combine it with housing second and housing third. Mm. Housing first, you get them off the street. Housing second, you figure out why they were on the street in the first place, and housing third, you fix it. Mm. You know, it, that's what real compassion is. Mm -hmm. It's not just putting someone in a shelter and saying, you know, whatever else you want to do is fine. You want to drink, you want to mm. take heroin, that's fine, no problem. Mm -hmm. We just got you off the street. I don't think that's particularly compassionate. You have talked a lot about race relations in this country. Uh, obviously, as head of HUD uh, with minorities, this is coming into play. Uh, t tell me a little bit about what this administration, the Trump administration,
has done for race relations because if you listen to the critics, they you know all the names in sure. the world, they'll call this president. Right. But tell me what, what the truth is as it relates to what you're seeing at HUD mm -hmm. and what this administration has done for minorities and if there's a disconnect here between what's reported and what's not. Yeah, well, you know, I... The, the left has a tendency to, to use uh, racism as their default position on anything, particularly when they're losing an argument. <laughs> You're racist. <laughs> but, the, but the fact of the matter is, you look at some of the programs like Opportunity Zones. Mm -hmm. um, Opportunity Zones, part of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Job Act, mm -hmm. specifically designed to incentivize people who have had a lot of success and uh, have a lot of capital gains that are unrealized to invest those in areas that have traditionally been neglected. Mm -hmm. And that includes a, a lot of areas where minorities uh, reside mm -hmm. uh, and, and no one ever would have invested in them. Mm -hmm. Now they're incentivized to do that. Um, you look at the uh, attitude of, of this administration toward the Second Chance Act. Um, you know, People have talked about it forever, but has anybody gotten it done? No, not mm -hmm. until now. Mm -hmm. uh, because we recognize that a lot of people, particularly a lot of young men, uh, come from a family environment mm -hmm. where they have not received the right kind of, of, of information mm -hmm. and don't have a real view of what is achievable outside of criminal activity and, and, and things that they see in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, they go into the prison system with little education and little skills. They come out with little education and little skills. So what do they do? The same thing they were doing before. Mm -hmm. Gets them right back into trouble. Now they have an even worse record. Um, so instead, you know, we're looking at things like, you know, various uh, reintegration programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, where employers go in. There was one that I visited in Florida. Five employers would actually go into the prisons. Mm -hmm. They would meet with these uh, young men, give them some education, some training, and a job mm -hmm. while they were still in prison. Mm -hmm. So when they came out, the next day, instead of going back to their or ordinary environment, they got a job. Mm -hmm. it, it, the recidivism rate just plummeted. And now at that same facility, instead of five employers that go in and do that, they have mm -hmm. 135 mm -hmm. employers. They have more jobs than they have people coming out to get them. And, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that, that we need to be thinking about. You know, we've um, uh, started the Envision Centers. Um, you know, the Bible says without a vision, people perish. There are a lot of people perishing. It's not that... We haven't had programs that can help people mm -hmm. with lots of things. It's just that there's 17 different things scattered all over the city. So the Envision Center brings them all together under one roof in the proximity of the places where they're needed. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, if it's the, a young mother uh, with, with children, you know, she can find out how and where to get child care, mm -hmm. uh, can get her GED if she didn't finish high school. Uh, get some higher education, learn how to be independent, teach that to her children. We break the cycles of dependency. Mm -hmm. You know, we concentrate also on health care, on uh, character and leadership development, mm -hmm. uh, economic empowerment, educational advancement, 
Do, do you think all of these policies, and look at the low unemployment rate for African Americans, do you think this gives this president uh, a chance and, uh, and really poised to do even better among African Americans in 2020? I, I suspect that there are people who are actually paying attention. Hmm. You know, there, there are some who will just do what they've always done and, and what they're told to do, but there are a lot of people who are actually <laughs> sitting back saying, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, such and such always told me that they would take care of me, but they really haven't done a good job. But look at what's happening here. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's, it's my hope mm -hmm. that people uh, of, of all backgrounds begin to rel recognize that as a nation, we will always do better if we're united not if we're fighting each other. This system that we have was designed for disagreement. Mm -hmm. It was never supposed to be everybody thought the same way, mm -hmm. but it wasn't designed for resistance. Mm -hmm. You say it's tall, I say it's short. You say it's fat, I say it's skinny. You know, it wasn't designed for that. And uh, that is in the process of destroying us. And Jesus said it best, mm -hmm. the house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm. Repeated by Abraham Lincoln. It's very much true today. And, uh, you know, I think particularly in the Christian community, mm -hmm. um, people need to recognize that it's not a very good witness uh, if you're going around hating on people mm. and saying hateful things and doing hateful things. Mm. That's opposite. What other aspect is really just the fathers and the role they play in in the minority communities and homelessness and some of what you've seen. Can you, you've talked about this before as yes. a candidate and beforehand, obviously. What are you seeing in terms of the father's role in all of this, uh, in terms of your job at HUD? Well, you know, there, there is a reason, I think, that God created families. Mm. <laughs> you know, a mother, a father. Uh, and I know in, in today's society, there are people who are trying to say that there's really no difference between a, a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. and you see all this stuff with athletics and letting men compete in women's sports and mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, denying the fact that there is a difference there. You know, fathers are wonderful examples. They're frequently disciplinarians. Uh, but more importantly, role models mm -hmm. for how to be responsible and you know how to provide for your family. Doesn't mean that women can't do that too. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, when the mother and the father can work together, uh, each using their set of strengths uh, and using that also to show how they love each other and be an example for the children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and provide those children with values and principles uh, that they talk about and that they display so that those children are not so vulnerable when they go outside of the home to every little influence that comes along. Mm -hmm. They have a solid foundation. And the father is a big part of that. When you just have the mother, you know, like I did, um, it makes it much more difficult, mm -hmm. much more difficult. Mm -hmm. This is not to say that, you know, my mother is the greatest person I ever met. <laughs> I don't know how she did it, but it's so much easier when you have a complete package. Yeah. I want to circle back to one thing you said earlier about President Trump and when you're in the African-American community. 
what kind of pushback are you getting at all in these communities? Because I, I would take it that they might be listening to one school of thought. Uh, has that been difficult for you to kind of like, how, what conversations do you have to try to explain to folks there in that community well, that, hey, if, this president is... If you can have a conversation, uh, the results are generally good. If you can. Right. <laughs> you know, some people don't want to have a conversation. <laughs> You're associated with Trump. You're evil. You know, there's a, a, a well-known congresswoman from California who's like that, you know. Uh, you know, I ran into her in the cafeteria. She wouldn't even shake my hand. No, you're a Trump person. Is that right? I don't want to deal Is with you right? at all. Mm -hmm. Don't want to talk. Don't want to meet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is such infantile behavior. And we, and we find that, mm -hmm. you know, at a lot of the universities, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you actually have a chance to, to actually talk to people, mm -hmm. you know, about what do you think should be being done other than, you know, creating an economy where almost anybody can get a job, mm -hmm. giving people a second chance, uh, pushing for better education and for educational choice. And you just keep going down the list and, you know, they find it progressively more difficult to be critical. Mm -hmm. But they've been programmed to be critical mm -hmm. because you've been programmed to think, this person is evil. You know, one black minister even said to me, Trump is possessed by a demon. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to talk to people like that. Yeah. You know, they just uh, have, have closed off any conversation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just say my job, as Jesus has put it, is to love everybody and to do what's right, to do what's fair. As I tell the staff here all the time, just do what's right. Mm -hmm. You know, the rest of it will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And people can accuse you of everything under the sun, but they'll never find any evidence if you just do what's right. Mm -hmm. All right, so picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about the crow's feet or those large under eye bags? Now imagine that they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It is the edge that you've been looking for. So you don't believe me? Well, guess what? I didn't either until I actually tried it. Now, I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, just 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Of course, unless you tell them. So go to tryplexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus get ready, an additional $10 off. That's right. 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com, code VOICES. That has been Carson here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Really appreciate, uh, of course, the secretary's time and the folks over at HUD for making it happen. Lots more cabinet secretaries on the way. 
uh, working on getting Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, also uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, and we just go down the list. So, so hopefully we've got a few of those coming, and we'll let you know. But the only way uh, really for you to find out is, that's right, what a transition. Thank you so much. Subscribe to the podcast. That's right, justthenews.com. That's where you go. The site is up. We're rolling. We got a lot of things going on there. There are so much information on that site, and it's done beautifully. I mean, how do I say this? It's like a nice manicured lawn. I mean, I, you get on the mobile app. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just just gorgeous. I, I just, sometimes I just look at the phone. I literally, I don't even click on anything. I just look and I go, wow, that's beautiful. And that's it. And, th and then I just leave. I, I, I don't even click on anything. Uh, that's how nice it is. All right, justthenews.com. And you can download my podcast. Once again, the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Uh, John Solomon reports his podcast. Cheryl Atkinson podcast. All on justthenews.com. Or... Download and subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. I don't know where you get your podcast, but you know, even if it's a place that you don't really want to say where you get your podcast, I don't care. Uh, it's fine. I mean, this is a this is a, uh, a fan friendly, a, a free zone. A, a, what a podcast free zone, uh, so to speak. So so you don't need to disclose that. Uh, listen, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We're back next time on the Pods on a Truth with something, but it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be informative. Most likely a newsmaker. Hope you'll download and subscribe. See you next time.